This week's episode is brought to you by Salo. Salo is a talent firm focused on making work meaningful. How? Well, they connect experts in finance, accounting, or HR with organizations who need their expertise. Think contingent and project support. These experts get careers that are flexible and focused on the work they want to do. The organizations get talented, confident professionals who get things done. Why finance, accounting, or HR? Well, don't get me started on the importance of HR leadership, especially as we think about the future of work, workplaces, and talent demographics. Check out Salo at hellosalo.com. Hello, coming to you live from Minneapolis, Minnesota. Welcome to Her Next Chapter, the podcast dedicated to sharing stories from amazing women who have reinvented their careers or lives. Could be total changes, could be side hustles. I'm Stephanie Pierce, mother of three, wife of one, former corporate exec, and now I am the founder and CEO of StephPierce.com. And I am Julie Burton, founder of Modern Well, a female-centered co-working space in Minneapolis. And I'm the author of The Self-Care Solution, A Modern Mother's Must-Have Guide to Health and Well-Being. And I'm a mother and a wife. In each episode, Julie and I will bring you these awesome stories about the power, pain, and laughs that come from change. Are you ready for your next chapter? Hello, Steph. Good to talk with you. Welcome, listeners, to another episode of Her Next Chapter. This episode, as you've already heard me say, is brought to you by Salo. And um, I love Salo. Jules, did you know I love Salo? Yes, I do. I love Salo, too. Salo is an amazing company. Yes, I love Salo for many reasons. And I'm going to share those reasons with you now. <laughs> do tell. Friend. Do tell. Everyone so, needs to know this. They do. So you may be saying to yourself, Salo, Stephanie, what the heck is Salo? Well, Salo is a town firm and they help make work meaningful. So what does that mean? That means that they have these experts in finance, accounting, HR, 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 HR. HR. Um, and they HR? help organize organizations <laughs> who need expertise. But more than that, they help people like me or like you listeners who want to um, consult and who want to see various types of work and to do various types of things in organizations, large and small, to help with projects, to help fill in for CHROs or CFOs and giving people the opportunity to do work like that, especially now, I think really resonates. So one of the big reasons that I like Salo is just the work that they do, um, what they provide to organizations. And Salo is a place that puts people first and they get what I know to be true. And that is when people feel empowered and inspired amazing things happen. And that's what Salo brings to their consultants. And that's what Salo brings to their organizations. So that's number one reason why I like Salo. Number two, I love Salo because of the people. And it is fair to say that I may have met every single Minneapolis-based soul 
Ben works in Salem. And um, I, I love them all like family. It's an organization full of people that practice what they preach about the importance of people. And I have worked with Salem for several years. Lisa was one of the first people who helped me feel good about going out on my own. And um, she <laughs> hired me, which is a good sign that she feels like I can do some stuff. And I love that. And I love the people. They're fun. They're focused. They're a very results oriented group, which I uh, love and appreciate. And I love Salo for their leadership. Um, I'll talk about Lisa in a second because I do love her most of all, but the team that she has that leads the organization, the founders, the board are all people that I have a lot of respect and admiration for. And so we are very lucky with our podcast because we have Salo's CEO today, my dear, dear friend, Lisa, who we'll talk to in a second. But we also have uh, one of the founders of Salo, Amy Langer, and she will be on our next week episode as well. So it is just Salo, Salo, all the time, Salo. So we're grateful for their sponsorship and their support. And so we get the chance to chat with one of my besties, Lisa Brazonic, today. So one more thing. There is a number three, Steph. And, you know, maybe this just goes without saying, but we love Salo also because it is women-owned and women-led, right? Women-co-owned and women-led. And we love that. And we love the empowering women piece of this this whole situation. So there's Very that. true indeed. And women-owned, you may say, yes, Lisa, did I mention she's the CEO? She's the CEO. She's and the CEO. She is large and in charge. Mm-hmm. Amazing. So Lisa joined Salo in 2015 as the chief talent officer. And so Lisa and I speak the same language. Her roots are in HR. So we speak the language of talent and development and people. So she started as their CTO and then was promoted to COO before she became their CEO. So she's been a lot of the C's. Um, but that's a good letter to have, Lisa. It's a good letter. And so before that, Lisa had her own business. She did consulting, executive coaching and organization consulting, which, hello, feels familiar for eight years. And so I just love Lisa's story because even before that, she worked in organizations as an HR person. So you can see I'm kind of setting the stage for what Lisa will talk about in terms of evolving and reinventing and moving your career forward. And maybe Lisa will talk about, in addition to everything else, because amazing people do amazing things. She also wrote a book. Hmm. Of course she did. Oh, there's that. (laughs) (laughs) And apparently her spare time, because Lisa has uh, four children and a dog and a husband. So... (laughs) (laughs) Uh, Okay. Yeah. That's a lot of stuff. So without further ado, I hope Lisa, we have just really um, embarrassed you enough, but um, uh, we are excited to have Lisa Brazonic here with us on the podcast today to talk about her uh, reinvention. Welcome Lisa. Holy cow. That was like the most (laughs) amazing introduction ever. I'm inviting you anywhere I go, maybe even just to come to my dinner table and say, hey, kids, guess what? Your mom isn't as crazy as you think. Steph's going to tell you why. Hype. I'm your hype friend. Yes. Like, come on, children. Love it. Wow. 
I don't think I even knew all of that. I know. I just, it's, it's so many great things. So welcome, Lisa. Thank you. Welcome, Lisa. Thank we, you, Jules. We just want to start, get right into this. Talk to us about reinvention because you've done some amazing things in your career. And I have to say, there are moments when I feel like you make it seem so effortless. And I know that it was effortful. So talk to me about what reinvention has meant to you. Yeah, I would love to. So first of all, thank you so much for inviting me to be here. You guys are both amazing and I won't take up all the time, but I could probably do three hours on each of you and all the wonderfulness that you bring. So thank you for sharing the time with me. I really appreciate it. I love talking about reinvention. I use different words, but I think we're talking about the same thing. Um, I was raised by two pretty amazing human beings who um, taught me every second of my childhood and continue to last week on vacation. They said the same thing to me over and over again. You have a potential and you must live up to it. It's not an option. Like this is what we do. And um, it just taught me to always dig deeper and think about what I'm capable of and what makes me happy. And I really think that reinvention is, um, shouldn't be something special that some people do. I just think it's something that we should always be thinking about. And, um, you know, I come from a place of if you're not happy, then go do something else. Because when people are happy, they do great work and they spread happiness and joy and it's a ripple effect for everybody else. So don't you want to be that person versus the person that shows up to the party that everybody's like, yeah, I'm going to the other room because she's kind of a downer. I don't ever want to be that person. And uh, not saying that I aren't, that I do not show up as that person every once in a while, but I don't want to be that person. And I think the way to, to live a life of intention is to be like, okay, I'm going to notice where things are going well. I'm going to notice where things aren't going well. And I'm going to adjust when that happens. I think people who know me well um, would tell you that I adjust more than the average bear because I get impatient with not being happy or with um, things not going the way I want them to. That's not always a plus, but it is something that I do for sure. Um, so reinvention is just kind of a part of what I do. I love that. Adjust more than the average bear. I mean, (laughs) (laughs) that's so awesome. That is, I love that. So, so what, what is that? What, what is that adjusting? How, how does that, how does that work for you? I mean, you know, it's like, okay, if you're not happy, do something else, right? Like, that sounds very easy, right? But circumstances, situations, whether it's financial, personal, relational, a lot of times get in our way of, mm-hmm. okay, I'm not happy doing this. I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to twist and adjust, right? And do that. But it seems as Steph and I have been doing this work that a lot of people talk about that feeling of, of being stuck and, and not being able to pivot and adjust and do the thing that does make them happy because maybe they can't afford to do that or they're not supported by their partner in doing that or whatever circumstances. So, so how do you, how do you kind of advise people as far as being able to be flexible and adjustable? Yeah. Well, I think uh, there's a couple of keys to this and one is being vulnerable. So it's not always popular to say you're not happy. It's not always popular to say that you don't feel successful in what you're doing. So you've got to be willing to just put it out there and say what it is, because I have a belief that when you put something out into the universe, the universe hears it and it shows up in a variety of different ways. It shows up in people hearing things. It shows up in opportunities. And it's also one of those things where if I believe everything is bad, I'm going to only find bad things. If I believe that things are good and there's something else out there for me to find, I'm going to look for it. I'm going to actively be seeking things out. 
And so sometimes, you know, finding, finding something that's going to be the right thing for your path, whatever that happens to be, it's just a matter of lifting your head up and looking, you know, a lot of us spend, I mean, I'm guilty of it. There's a lot of time I spend my putting my head down, trying to work on something, trying to do something, you know, what was me? Why is this so bad? Whatever. As that's happening, life is going by me. And there are opportunities that I'm not seeing because I've got my head down. But when you put your head up and you get curious and you listen and you notice and you just take the time to just be present and observe what's going on, I think we could all agree that there's things out there that, you know, lead to the next thing. And sometimes, you know, I bet you all could tell examples of this, but sometimes it's you go to the grocery store and you bump into somebody you haven't seen in a long time and you start having a conversation with them and it makes you remember about something that you did that brought you joy and you decide, oh, you know what, I haven't made that recipe in a long time. I haven't gone to see that movie or seen that friend, whatever it was. And you go, well, I got to do that because that made me happy. And I've forgotten about that. And so it's everything from little experiences in life that make us happier along the way to our partner, to our friends, to the job we do, to where we um, celebrate our faith, like all those little things. So I don't believe it's just about your job. It's about who are you surrounding yourself and how are you spending your time and how are you choosing to make decisions about what happens next versus let life happen to you? Awesome. So Lisa, you were in corporate, then you started your own business and you went back to corporate. And so I wonder, can you talk to us a little bit about the thinking, the perspectives and the insights that went into those transitions? I grew up with my dad is a dentist, retired dentist now, and my mom um, raised our family and helped support my dad um, in building his practice. And so I didn't have any exposure to corporate. I didn't know what in the world that was. And so when I got out of school, I still was kind of like, I'm not really sure what this whole thing looks like, but I knew um, I, I found my path and I eventually ended up working in a corporate environment, but that was a whole different language lexicon. And I think sometimes um, we don't realize that uh, when people enter into the workforce, unless they had parents who talked about it, and my poor kids have heard plenty about corporate, believe me, but not everybody talks about it with their kids. And so people don't really know what to expect. And, you know, there's, there's a lot of arguments for what, what's the right workplace. But I do think that starting my career out in a place that was larger, I mean, small to large companies that I worked for along the way, um, helped expose me to a lot of different leaders and a lot of different ways of doing things and a lot of different kinds of businesses that really shaped who I am today. And the decision to stay in more corporate environments was, I don't know how intentional it was as much as it was one thing led to the other. And the first, I don't know how many stops it was, six or seven stops were all in very corporate environments. And I think they taught me about how to work with people because for sure, there were plenty of people that showed up in those places that, you know, given my own devices, I would not spend any time with. And I had to learn how to get things done with them. And oftentimes, I was, most of my corporate career, I was the youngest person doing my job in the room. And I would show up and there'd be other people kind of underestimating, oh, you know, she's a girl or, oh, she's so young, she hasn't figured this out. And I always wanted to figure things out. So I'd be like, yes, I can. Sure, I can. Um, and it motivated me to get curious and listen and figure out, well, how could I do that? And how could I learn that? And how could I be included in that conversation? And I think if I hadn't been in that environment, I don't know that I would have been as motivated to do that. Um, 
And I think it also broke down a lot of stereotypes for me because I walked in, you know, with my own set of this is how the world works. And when you work in corporate environments, you meet so many people who have a very different experience than you did getting them to that point. And in order to effectively build relationships and work with them, you've got to learn about that and learn their perspectives and realize, oh, my way is just one way. It's not the only way. I had a, a really humbling moment when I was probably about 30 and I was in a leadership role and I was co-leading a large function um, at RBC with two other women who are lovely. One was 10 years older than me. One was, I believe, 15, 20 years older than me at the time. And, uh, you know, I was, I was not afraid to share ideas. I was not afraid to just walk into a room full, and we should do this. And what about this? And just talk about all kinds of things. And um, we had just gone through um, a Myers-Briggs exercise with our entire team. And I walked into one of these women's offices and I walked in and I was like, okay, I just had a meeting. And I just said all this stuff. And she stopped and she gave me the timeout sign. And she said, um, could, could you just stop for a second? And, um, and I kind of looked at her and she's like, I just, I just need a second. And I had up until that moment, I had assigned that to, she didn't like me. And um, she thought I was a little whippersnapper and I could make up all kinds of things. And she stopped and she um, didn't say anything. She just kind of gave me the hand. And as I started watching her, I realized what was happening. She was thinking about what I said. And she looked at me and she goes, you come running in here all the time with all this stuff. And you talk so fast. I can't even keep up. I need a minute to process what you just said. And in that moment, I was like, okay, A, I need to learn how to approach these things better. And B, okay, so she is a pretty cool lady and we actually could be friends and talk and figure things out and work really well together if I realize that my way of running into her office is not the best way. So there's a lot of things to be said for working in corporate environments, but I think the like, you gotta figure it out. Like you don't have a choice to be successful. You must figure it out. I think that's huge. I probably totally went on a tangent there, but- <laughs> Didn't. You totally didn't go on a tangent, but then you left corporate. Yeah, kind yes, of. I, did. I mean, and so why? I pretty purposely left. Yeah, I, I pretty purposely left. So I um, had been in, I haven't counted, but let's say it was seven different environments, different companies that I'd done things in, and different sizes, different industries, all of that. And I loved it. I really, really loved it. Um, but I got to a point where the work that we were doing um, was a lot about integrating because we were. When I was at RBC, it was at a point where RBC had purchased Dane Rauscher and was going through a lot of integrating. And I headed up HR for a period of time and then uh, moved over into the fixed income group. And I was the chief administrative officer. And the um, president of that group had asked me to come over and he's like, we haven't been integrated into the bank yet. We're still doing things like we used to do things. And I was kind of exhausted on constant integration. It's good work to do, but I like doing something different you know, often. And so continuing to integrate was just not my cup of tea. And so I went over there and worked with this really awesome team. And I'm not kidding. About five weeks later, they announced that they were going to fully integrate that business line. And I just kind of went, oh my gosh, I don't know how much more I can do this. And so between that, and at that point, uh, we had three babies. The entire time I was at RBC, I was either pregnant or had infants. And we knew that we were going to have more kids and I was on the road all the time. And I was realizing that these two things did not go together and I was feeling really, really guilty about it. And I was just really exhausted and I wasn't taking care of my friendships. I wasn't taking care of my health. There was just a bunch of things that I wasn't taking care of because I was either 
racing to go do work or running home to make sure that the babies were taken care of. And in the meantime, having a really wonderful supportive husband helping. Um, but I kind of, there were a couple incidents that happened um, at work that weren't bad things, but they just made me realize, okay, this is, this is not what I should be doing. Um, and actually, um, funny, not funny story. I woke up uh, one morning and um, felt like, you know what, I think I might be pregnant again, because you kind of know by the time, by the time you get to that many kids, you kind of know when you're pregnant. And so I took a home test and sure enough, I was, and I did not even tell my husband, I just was in shock. And I got up and I was like, all right, I got to go into work. I went into work, had a conversation with my leader about um, some changes that we were going to make that was going to have me have an apartment part-time in New York city. And in that moment, I just totally was like, okay, the time has come, you know, God's trying to tell me something, these two things happening within two hours of each other. And so I literally went for, um, I told my leader, which I had never done before. I said, you know what? Um, I need to go. I need, I just need some time. I need to go. And he kind of looked at me funny, like what? Cause normally my response is sure. What do you want me to do? So I literally walked around the block um, and came inside and I called my husband and I said, okay, so there's a couple of things I need to share with you. Number one, we're pregnant again. Number two, they want me to move to New York on a temporary basis. And number three, I think I'm going to quit. I think it's time. I think it's time. And number four, back to number one, I'm pregnant. I can't drink. So we need to have like an amazing dinner tonight or something because holy cow. <laughs> so, so, so all that wow. happened. And then, um, you know, in, in all the right ways, I, uh, decided that it was time to go and, uh, I did not have a backup plan. I did not know what was going to happen next. I just knew that the merry-go-round that was spinning out of control. I, I was not um, doing anything to control the speed or the destination. It was just all happening to me and I knew I needed to get off. And so within a week I resigned and worked out a transition and I left and my goal, which is a bit laughable now looking back at it, but my goal was to make up for all the time that I lost, um, like being a good mom when I was working so hard. That's, that was my goal. Um, I didn't really do that, but I did get involved in every like um, PTO volunteer, everything I possibly could to try to make up for not doing it before. And after about three weeks, my husband, my dear, sweet husband looked at me at dinner and he was like, you know, you're never home. And I was like, yeah, I am. And he's like, no, you're, you're gone as much just now you're not getting paid for it. So could we all agree that this whole idea of you're going to stay home and you're going to raise the kids and you're not going to work for a while. Like you're probably not cut out for that. You pro it's just probably not going to happen. So yeah, that happened. We all need somebody who's going to just call it out. And so Lisa, I always love and admire your ability to just say the thing, right? Like here it is. Here's what happened. I'm not going to try to, you know, make it pretty for you. The time had finally come. And yep. sometimes that is what it is. And that at that point, that was your fourth child. Yep. That was Nico. Baby Nico. Yep. Yeah. We have the bonus baby in our family too. Number four is just the best. <laughs> I love it. I love it. Yeah, My initial yeah. plan was to have eight. So the fact that we only have oh, four. Wow. wow. Yep. We decided four was right, but that was the initial plan. 
So I have a question and there's, you know, obviously going to be some projecting here, but, but okay. So I, I never worked in corporate. Um, I worked for, you know, small, medium sized um, PR and advertising agency, but never worked in, in corporate America. I'm curious if you would have decided to go to your boss or to your report, direct report and say, you know what, I can't go and live in New York part-time. I'm having another baby. I need to, I, I need to have my family integrated into this life that I'm living. I mean, for women, right? So you're not alone in that. There are mm-hmm. lots of women in corporate America who are, are trying to do the dance and probably often feeling completely overwhelmed. And I mean, Steph has, you know, talked about passing the baby, uh, you know, the car seat in the airport between her and James as one, you know, is coming and going. And yep. Do you see corporate America getting friendlier to moms? And, and I mean, at the time, do, do you think there would have been able to be a discussion about making that work? Or For sure. For sure. There was, there was actually, I was, uh, I have been blessed and most of the leaders that I've had, I could have those conversations with. When I made that decision, it wasn't because I didn't have leader, a leader who supported me. It was because I'd been doing the same thing. And I was ready for a change. And I felt okay. like the merry-go-round of the work that I was doing and the way I was doing it, it was just, I was time for something. I was ready for something fresh and new. Um, and when I actually, when I resigned, um, my leader offered me three different options of ways that it could, that we could do different things that would make it work for me and I could stay. And I just okay. knew that I was at a point where it was time. I'd been there for nine years, which was at the time and still is, I think the longest that I'd been in any one place. And I was ready for something else. I think now, um, I think now it really depends on where you are. I think there's a lot of places that are very friendly to this, that, and some places because they figure out they have to be right. If you are actually going to find great people, you better figure out how to be accommodating and thoughtful about their life and not just insist that what you need to do for your job must take over everything else. But I think sadly, there's still a lot of places where people, uh, don't feel empowered to talk about what they need. Um, and I can tell you that, uh, you can go talk to my team. They're so tired of me saying, you know, like we have to make sure that we're approachable, that we're thoughtful, that we're thinking about all this, because I was just talking to somebody else right before this about, you know, what, what are the things that you think are most important going forward? And I think transparency, vulnerability, and curiosity, like right now things are changing so fast. And so whether it's about the mom who, you know, desperately wants to get back to work, but can't figure out how to make it work at home to get back into a job, not because they need the money or maybe because they need the money, but because they loved having that other aspect of their life, but they can't figure it out because of the way things are happening with school and everything else, Mm -hmm. or whether it's, you know, I've been in a job for a long time and I'm not happy and I'm doing the same old thing. Like there's a lot of people going through this reflection moment of, what does success and happiness look like now? Because I just went through something pretty crazy and I've changed that definition. And I think the more that we all just sort of lean into it and ask other people, like, what's it for you now? How do you, how do you think about that? Because I mean, I've thought about it. I know most people on my team have thought about it and it's, it's not the same thing. And I, I think as we talk about it, then we've got an opportunity to get there. But the key is, you know, creating an organization where it's safe, comfortable, and actually respected when you talk about what's on your mind and what you need. So you went from being a consultant working on your own, and then Mm -hmm. you found your way back to, well, you found your way to Salo. 
So yeah. what was that transition like? And then fast forwarding to you becoming the CEO. So walk us through that next yeah. phase. So I started consulting because um, as I was out and about volunteering and doing board work, um, I was meeting people in those situations as well as people that I used to work with at RBC and other places that I was that were all getting into different things. And I started getting phone calls saying, hey, could you help with this? Could you help with this? I know you're not working yet. Could you help with this? And so I started doing these projects. And um, pretty soon I was looking around going, okay, I have assembled a full-time consulting business, um, not very intentionally. And uh, so then I sat down and went, okay, I'm not letting this happen again. I'm not going to do just what was asked of me. I'm going to figure out what I want to do and carve that out. And so I spent some time and, uh, and really figured that out and built a consulting practice around coaching executives and high potential people, as well as doing consulting and organizations to help them solve problems around strategy and leadership. And I flipping loved it. I mean, I, if you would have told me a year before I started it, that I was going to be a consultant, I would have laughed at you and said, I'm not doing that. And I was so wrong. I, I absolutely loved it. I love the variety. I love the people that I got to meet. I love that from, you know, day to day and sometimes hour to hour, I was working with different people on different things that I got to meet people that I never would have met in my life if I hadn't done this. I absolutely loved it. I loved the flexibility that it gave me in my life. And I will say, some people say consulting allows you to have flexibility so you don't have to, you can work your hours and do all these different things. Steph's probably laughing right now. <laughs> Clients need stuff and you, you have, you can be flexible, but if a client says they need something, like you don't get to totally be like, yeah, I'll see you next week. Like it's not as flexible as people think there's flexibility, but to a limit. But I loved that I could figure it out and that I could make sure that I was doing all the stuff that I wanted to for my family, that I could say, you know, Monday morning, there's an exercise class that I want to make sure that I never, ever miss. And I'm going to, I'm going to do it. I'm going to be intentional about it, that I have a book club where I've made some friends and I'm, I got much more intentional about my life as I built up that consulting practice. And I would say, you know, if I think about reinvention, like that was a key tipping point for me, for my marriage, for my family for who I am, for how I think about things. I just got super intentional about, I'm going to build the life that I want. And I loved it. As I got towards the end of that consulting business that I have, and I didn't know it was the end at that time, I was starting to get a little bit antsy. And I was starting to feel like I was back on that merry-go-round um, because I'd built a consulting practice that had me working with clients around the country. And I had some international clients that I worked with. And so I was I was running around again and I loved the adrenaline and the work, but I didn't love what the impact was to my life and how it was impacting what I could do outside of work. And so I was trying to think about what the next thing was. And that was when um, I met Amy Langer and John Folkstead, and they were in the process of trying to think about what the next phase of Salo's growth was going to look like. And they were looking to hire a professional executive team. There was um, another woman here, Ann Rushy, who was um, just awesome. And honestly, I knew her better than John and Amy. And I came to come and work with her. I absolutely adored her. And between the two of us, we were looking for a CFO to come in, but we were thinking that between the two of us and a CFO, that we could really be a really fun team to take this business to the next level. I never had any sights or thoughts about doing more than um, the CTO or, you know, I ended up taking on other internal operations. The CEO role, um, 
I don't want to say it didn't occur to me, but it just didn't feel like it was probably my next path. I thought I'd come to Salo and be there for a couple of years, be here for a couple of years. And then um, the next thing would show up as to what I was supposed to do. But I, I thought it was going to be kind of a transition thing. Um, but once I got here, what I realized was that it took a lot of what I've been doing through my entire career and put it all together. So I've been a consultant, I've been a client, um, and I've been um, the person that builds the internal operations. I hadn't done the sales side, the revenue side of the business. I hadn't done Well, my husband likes to remind me that's what I did for eight years running my own business, but I didn't think about it that way, but I hadn't run a sales organization. I'd done the other, all the other pieces. And so, you know, as we kept building and we had iterations and Anne left to do something different and, you know, I kept growing, running Salo became something that I was like, wow, this is something that I could do. Like I hadn't, I hadn't thought about myself that way. John and Amy saw it before I saw it. Um, And, you know, we had a great conversation about what is that going to look like? And, you know, what is the future of the firm going to look like? And why, um, why is it important to do it a certain way? And as we got talking to about how does Salo grow, the part that we're really aligned on is that um, Salo is a very, has a very intentional foundation and a very intentional purpose, mission and values. And that can't change. And so whether we are 50 people or 5 million people being really rooted in those values and saying it's the relationship over the transaction, it's people matter first, it's we start with our, with our consultants, everything starts with our consultants, um, that those are the principles of running the business. And then um, everything else can happen from there. And we're violently in agreement on that. And so um, as we started putting this thing together, it just got really exciting to think about how do you, how do you take this to the next level? which is what we've been doing. And so um, John and Amy stepped back uh, three years, almost three years ago. You know, I formed a, a team from within what we already have and put some people into new positions. Um, and we have slowly but surely started building out a national practice. Um, and over the course of the last year and a half, a lot of it's been really horrible and really rough, but a lot of it's actually been really good um, because we're, we're able to do work differently than we were two years ago. And that's actually allowed us to accelerate our plan of growing the business and finding more people to do work with um, in places outside of Minneapolis and Chicago. And so we have, um, you know, we have a team in Denver, in Houston, and now in Charlotte, and we're growing more teams. Um, And we've got consultants across the entire country. We've got clients across the entire country. Um, And we're just having a ball doing it. And I think the reason that we have fun and the reason we've been successful is that it stays rooted in, you know, stay connected to people. What do people need to be successful and how do you set them up to have that? And how do you have real conversations and be curious about what's it going to take to get from point A to point B and have fun. We talk a lot about, it's not just the destination, it's the journey, like enjoy the journey to get there, but don't forget there is a destination and we must get there. Yes. Yes. Huge, huge. And a lot of intentionality and planning and all the things. So um, huge congrats to you. I wonder, as you think about the work that you've done personally and professionally, a lot of our listeners, Lisa, are thinking about transition in transition. What advice would you share with those predominantly women who are potentially in corporate or looking to get out or they have their own business and want to go back to corporate, or they're not sure what the heck they yeah. want to do. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Or they're running yeah. the PTA, you know, taking care of children and are feeling that itch. 
Yep. Yes. Advice. (laughs) I, uh, so I'll I'll go back to the three words I used before. Like, don't be afraid to be vulnerable. Like do not be afraid to vulnerably call whoever it is that you think could be helpful and probably people who you don't think that could be helpful and just say, so whether it's a zoom coffee or a real coffee, like, could we just talk? Cause I'm not sure what's next. And here's what I'm thinking. Like, don't be afraid to do that with a really broad group of people to find out what you're good at. I think um, we kind of create a story about what we're good at and what skill set we have. And sometimes we kind of become impervious to these things that people know us as being really good at. I was going through a process, I don't know, like six or seven years ago before Salo. And um, I had lunch with somebody and she was like, you're like the most organized person I know. And I literally started laughing. I was like, I am not organized. You're crazy. She's like, no, you are so organized. And so I sort of took a step back from that. And I had decided that um, there were certain things that I wasn't. And the more I had more conversations, I was like, oh, well, that piece of it, I may not be, but there's another part of that, that I really am. And then if you think about that, it, you know, organization is a small piece of it, but um, the sales piece was another great example. My husband used to give me a ton of crap about this. He is a lifelong salesperson. He's really good at it. And he does it in a way that I really respect. And we used to go while I was running my own business, we used to go to, you know, name it a party or, or something where there's other people where you don't know someone and start talking and somebody would say, oh, so you, you know, you have your own business. How do you find clients? Um, you know, what kind of sales and marketing strategies do you have? And I would say, well, I don't really sell. I have, I network with people, right? Like I, all my businesses were word of mouth. And so this was going on for years. And he finally looked at me and he said, you know what, Lisa, um, I hate to tell you, but you're being super insulting to me. You do sell. Like selling isn't bad. I sell and it's not bad to sell. And I was like, what are you talking about? He's like, every time you go out and have a conversation with somebody, you're selling, you're just thinking about selling like the stereotypical sleazy used car salesman, like selling is also just building relationships. And it's thinking about how to get to know someone and getting curious. And you do that to build your business every single day. And so I say that as you ask the question, because the advice I have for people is go talk to people who know you, go talk to people who you've worked with in past lives and just say, I'm thinking about it. What did you appreciate about me? What did you think I did do really well? And don't be afraid to be vulnerable about that. And then be super curious about it too, right? Like ask a million questions that you may think you know the answer to, but I bet somebody will spit it back to you different than what you anticipate. And you will learn about things that you didn't realize that you're good at, things that maybe you're not good at, but also find some passion points that might lead you down the path of work that maybe didn't seem obvious to start out with, but I think it's just so beneficial. Whenever I talk to people that go through that process, they always come back with, I had no idea I was good at this. And even if you stay on the exact same career path of what you're on right now, it will help you be better at it. And it will help you sell yourself and find other opportunities that are more suited to you. And if you change your career path, it could just be really helpful in showing you some directional things that could really light you up. Thank you. That That's really really helpful advice. Um, You obviously have had a lot of success throughout your career. And I'm really in awe, well, of of a lot of things about you, but your ability to adjust and reinvent seems to be like such a superpower for you. And, and like you said, you know, staying curious and open to possibilities, like, you know, how you were saying that Amy and John saw you as as the CEO before you necessarily did and but then but then stepping into that and and actually yeah that that could be me and that is me right and and being open to um to the possibilities that other people might see right before yep. before you do yep. 
But given all that, I'm sure there were some hiccups along the way and some challenges. And um, I mean, I know as a a mother of four with a husband and a dog as well and and a book we're we're like sisters in that <laughs> yeah, in that there we go um the, you know there's there's challenges there you know work life all of it so what what have been some of your biggest challenges along your, along the way and and how have you overcome them yeah um well i could write probably like i don't have encyclopedias anymore but i could do an entire encyclopedia <laughs> about mistakes i've made along the way for sure easily um, there's a couple of things that get me into trouble all the time. And I would say the first one is I do love reinvention. I do love trying things. And so, you know, oftentimes, um, there's a person on my team who knows me really well. And, um, she's one of my favorite people, because even when I do something stupid, she looks at me and she's like, Lisa, that was kind of stupid, um, <laughs> which I love. That's because, what kids are for, right? <laughs> <laughs> but be, the reason I love it is because, um, so I'm six, two and, you know, I kind of own every inch of my six, two, my dad taught me, he used to put his knuckles in my spine. when We were walking up to communion in church and say, stand up straight, own your height. So I walk into a room and I have physical presence and, um, I'm pretty passionate usually about whatever I do. And now I'm the CEO. And so when I walk into a room where um, I have people that work on my team or who are in other positions that aren't a CEO, I have to be super conscious of not walking in with so much passion and power and presence that I shut other people down from saying what they think, that they just listen to me and let me talk and nod their head and say, yeah, that's a great idea, even when it's not a good idea. And um, that is something that I've struggled with for a long time, even before I was in this position, just... Um, you know, having a lot of confidence and passion is great, but in certain rooms, it prevents a conversation. It prevents people from, you know, actually asking you a question. Um, and so I work really hard to sometimes, you know, I'll like very purposely have bad posture and walk in and sit down and try and look really casual just to try to get something going there. Um, because I've made a million mistakes because I didn't create that in a room and ended up making a decision without all the input that I could have gotten. I can think of a time uh, a couple months ago that uh, we were with our team and I asked for input and somebody said, okay, do you really want input? Or are you just saying you want input? And I said, tell me more about that. And well, because sometimes you're so excited about your idea. I don't think you really want input. I think you want to just keep moving with your idea. I'm like, that is super helpful to hear. <laughs> so that is like, I can, I can come up with like probably about 50% of my mistakes stem from my excitement with whatever I'm doing. And how do I temper that a little bit so that somebody can actually show me that you may be excited about something really great, but maybe not the best thing for you. So I would say that. And then, you know, the other thing is not moving too fast because I'm not scared or well, scared is strong because I typically am excited about trying something new. Sometimes I can move too fast into the next thing and not, um, not completely finish something or not completely, um, give everything that needed to be given in that particular situation, because I'm so excited to go on to the next thing. Um, and that's, that's shown up in, I can't even tell you how many ways, but um, we had a conversation earlier this week with somebody on the team. We were talking about something that we're talking about doing. And uh, this woman looked at me and she was like, here she goes. And I'm like, okay, I'm ready to do this next week. What's, what's actually reasonable. And when do you guys want to do this? And they're like, we probably need a month. Like, okay. I'll back off. So you know, it, it serves me, but it is also my overstrength that gets me into trouble all of the time. Mm, overstrength. I've never heard that. That's 
Yeah. That's a- I'm not going to say it's not a strength. I just overuse it. <laughs> right. That that's although it's interesting cuz it's like it's like, you know, you want to like you were saying before, you know, standing up tall, walking into a room, owning your presence, owning your and then but we also don't I'm and I'm like barely 5'1", so that that I never feel that way when I when I walk into I'm like okay how high of heels can I wear into and can I stand on my tippy toes um but it's it, it just I, it's fascinating that you said that you sometimes feel like like you have to like sh- like shrink like shrink down to be mm-hmm. on other people's level I, I mean I think that's that's just such a I guess for, for me, it's a completely foreign concept, <laughs> but, but, but I understand what you're saying and that it's just, it's like meeting people where they're at, right. And, exactly. and being open and, and allowing yourself to be more open and approachable. Is that kind of how you would? Yeah, that's exactly that? it. That's exactly it. That if somebody, if somebody has input for me, whether it's an idea or a disagreement or whatever it is, I actually really want it. Even though I'm super excited about something, I really want it. And when you're passionate about something, it does not come off all the time. Like you actually want to hear other stuff. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Um, and so figuring out, you know, like we all have to figure out what our part of collaboration is. Like that's my part that I have to figure out and pay a lot of attention to on a regular basis. Um, as, as you know, we're, we're interviewing to bring some new people on the team and you know, I bring it up as soon as somebody's like, well, what do I need to know about you? I'm like, here's the thing. And um, I, I'm to the point now that when I'm interviewing people, if I don't think they're going to stop me mid-sentence and say, Lisa, you're talking too fast, or I don't understand, or I know you're excited, but I'm not excited. If those are things that I don't think somebody's going to say to me, I don't hire them because really? I, I believe we all need that. And, um, you know, some of us need it louder than others. Yes. <laughs> I need it pretty loud. <laughs> Steph's, Steph's probably like doing everything she can to not laugh right now. <laughs> well, I was thinking I, I too need it loud. It's like when you get that 10th year of feedback about um, more listening, less confrontation, they said it in a nicer way. You're like, okay, <laughs> yep. I need somebody to tell me that that's for sure. Yeah. I I, I think, uh, you know, as we're talking about mistakes and flaws and all that, the other thing that um, I would call an overstrength that kind of relates to this is that um, I have a lot of emotion and a lot of passion on a lot of subjects. And um, that has that has gotten me into trouble in so many ways um, of making assumptions about things and um, and not like clearing the air to like get a good conversation about something. There was there was an incident I had much earlier in my career where a woman called me and said that she was distraught because she was on a team. Um, she was the only female and all of the men had been invited to this men's only um, golf club and she wasn't invited. And she was, she, she just didn't even know what to do. And she was pretty senior. And I, I mean, I went straight to being completely ticked off. Like comp- I, I mean, I went from zero to 60 in about two hot seconds. And I went straight into the leader's office of this woman and I said, so I just got this phone call that this is happening. Is this, is this true? And uh, he looked at me and he was like, it is happening. And uh, I just launched, I mean, I just launched about all the reasons that it was inappropriate. And uh, in that moment, um, and, and, and oh, by the way, I think I was, well, I won't say my age, then you'll figure it out, but I was not very old. And um, uh, 
the person who, who was, I was talking to was probably about 15 years, my senior. And he looked at me and he was like, you know what, um, honey, you need to just pipe down. You need to just pipe down, which infuriated me even more. Mm. And basically I ended up walking into leaving his office and I walked into my actual leader's office and, uh, who's a woman. And I explained, and she looked at me and she was, uh, she's an amazing woman. She looked at me and she said, best of intentions, worst execution ever, like worst execution ever. And it was a great lesson for me. Like, you know what, Lisa, you, you really got to figure out how you package these things. Like, you know, if you want to get somebody's attention, there's a way to get somebody's attention where nothing happens. And there's a way to get somebody's attention to engage them in a conversation that might influence them thinking differently. Mm-hmm. And so I just think it's huge to just be really thoughtful about the difference of those two things. Yeah. And, and how to, yeah, how to package the passion, right? <laughs> so that you get the yep. best results and get people to listen to you and take you seriously, knowing your audience. And One, knowing your buttons, right? And, knowing your Yes. Buttons. What sets you off. Yeah. That, yeah. yeah you were like through the roof. One quick motherhood balancing act uh, question. (laughs) I'm sure there are many listeners, myself being one of them, who are very curious about about how you do the dance and and take care of those four children and and um, and be mom and be CEO and and all the things. What's the They're secret? actually my favorite thing to talk about. <laughs> I love, I still call them my four babies and they started, mm. they asked me not to do that and now they've given up. Um, and by the way, uh, my four babies are six, seven, six, five, six, four, and six feet. Um, so they oh don't really babies anymore. Um, and they're awesome. They're awesome kids. Um, you know what? I have to say that it's a, a couple of things that I was um, dealt a great hand in. And one is I've got parents who just, you know, showed me something to, to really figure out how to replicate and evolve to the next level. I had wonderful parents who taught me the importance of good parenting and um, still do. I mean, we go, we were on vacation with my parents last week, and I can guarantee you that within the next three days, I'm going to get an email from my dad talking about why he thinks Nick and I are good parents. And he'll talk about examples of things that he saw. And that just reinforces to me on a regular basis. He does that all the time. My mom talks to me about it. My dad sends me email, but they both do it. And oh it just, gosh. it reinforces the right stuff, right? It makes you like, oh, I'm proud. And my dad's proud of me. Like, I want to do more of that. So it just, That's you know, awesome. innately does that. And then, you know, I've got an amazing husband who um, we share values and what matters. We had a really different experience in how we were raised. And so we disagree on the how all the time. But the why we always agree on. And when we don't, we have really good conversations about it. And so, you know, those are two grounding forces that have helped me make good decisions. And when I'm not making good decisions or in a bad place, those are two forces that will pull me back down. And then also really strong friendships that I can say, I think I'm failing. I think all this stuff that, you know, they look at me and go, okay, well, I failed with you. Cause I just did the same stupid thing. Like <laughs> nobody's perfect on this. You know, we all tell each other that and talk about that. And then truly, you know, I, I mentioned earlier that, um, you know, I had a moment of like, I want to get more intentional about what I'm going to do. And there are deal breakers that I have on things that, you know, are important to me that I want to experience with my kids. And, uh, you know, some of them, nobody else would agree with, but it's my deal. Like if one of my kids is going to the ER, like I'm going to the ER too. Like nobody else has taken my kid to the, which I know it sounds like this is not a big deal. Well, 
my back was out. I was in bed. I couldn't move. My husband called me. He was at the baseball field. Billy took a, a ball to, I can't remember which one this was, if it was his hand or his eye, but one of the two. And uh, they were on the way. Billy's screaming. I'm like, I'm going to be there. And he's like, okay, you're in bed. Your back's out. I'm like, I got to be there. I, there are certain moments that I want to make sure I'm there with my kids to help support them, that they know their mom and dad are there to help them with. And, you know, it's everything from that to, you know, the little, the little milestones that we don't always remember and making sure that there's a certain number of family dinners that happen. I love um, doing family surprise nights. Um, I love surprises. I love surprise parties. I love all of it. And so um, I, every couple months will come up with an idea of something for us all to do. I don't tell anybody what it is. I just tell them you must show up at this time in this place, usually like our living room at 7 PM or something. <laughs> um, and then we either do something at home or we go someplace, but um, doesn't matter what it is. It just brings us all together. And uh, I just, I really, really, really treasure that stuff. So I don't know if I answered your question, but I just, uh, I love my family and I just want to spend as much time as I can with them. And I also want to show them that being a female who can be successful in any job you want, you know, that's, that's crazy important to me. Raising three boys is just as important to me as raising a daughter to understand that, you know, all the people in the world have opportunities to do all the things. And if we ever decide that certain people are only assigned certain opportunities, it's time to stop and take another look. Um, and so I feel like my ability to be a good mom and my ability to be a good CEO is teaching my kids a lot of different lessons and they're not afraid to look at me and say, Hey mom, we need you to be home tonight for this thing. And we have a, we have an agreement that that's going to happen and that, um, we have just good communication that way. And, and I screw up a lot just to be clear. I don't want to make it sound like I'm super mom. I screw up all the time. We all do. <laughs> yes. Yes, we do. Yes, Stephanie doesn't do. though. She doesn't. Mm-mm. Mm-mm. Yes, she does. <laughs> 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 Hashtag fail. <laughs> Lisa, we are so thrilled to have you in our friend circle, in our Minneapolis community, and as one of the CEOs. So thank you so much for everything. Um, we really appreciate having you. Thank you, Lisa. Just such brilliant advice. And um, just thank you for walking us through your inspiring story and for for letting our listeners know that it is possible. Anything's possible. And you can be mom and CEO and you can work in corporate and then you can leave and start your own thing. And then you can go back to run a big company. And you are like just endless possibilities. That's what, that's what I see you as. And so thank you for, for giving all of our listeners hope and inspiration. Um, you're truly amazing. You guys are awesome. I love, I love this experience that you guys are creating for everybody. Thank you for creating it. And thank you for letting me be a small part of it. Oh, yay. Thank, thank you. you thank you, Lisa. Thank you, Salo. Thank you, Salo. Thanks for listening to another episode of hernextchapter.co. You can follow us on Instagram at hernext.chapter. And you can find all of our lovely, fun, fabulous podcasts on all those places where podcasts can be found. Please follow us and give us five stars. We'd be so delighted and tickled. And we hope that you are enjoying your time with us. Last but not least, hernextchapter.co. You can check us out there as well. See you next week.